So have you ever felt like you just don't have enough time for? Like you just a little more and then you can do everything you want to do. Or do you ever feel like you don't have enough time for particular relationships? But you will win. We've covered this topic before. In fact, we were talking a little bit about in October of how a changed heart changes our relationship with time. And so today we're looking at it from a little bit different aspect, uh, really kind of going into more of the relationship side and how we kind of prioritize, how do we experience God when we just feel like we don't have enough time for anything. And so we are going into Luke chapter 14, Back in October, it was Luke chapter 12, but this time Luke chapter 14, and what we're reading today is situated between a healing story and the cost of discipleship. And as we get into it, Jesus has chosen to go sit and have dinner with a leader of the Pharisees. And often we see that the Pharisees really don't like Jesus. They're usually trying to trip him up. They're trying to catch him. And here he accepts an invitation. And to think about that, right? The setting is he's accepted an invitation from the Pharisees who dislike him. He's accepted it. He has gone and he is sitting at a table. He is eating with people that may or may not like him, that may or may not have an agenda, that may be trying to trick him. And he uses this moment as a teaching one. He tells a bit of a parable. And just a reminder, parables are meant to get us thinking and they have layers constantly and we come to new understandings every time we go through them. And so here, Jesus takes this opportunity of sitting down, having dinner, having a meal with others to ask some questions that really hit on how we understand our time, how we understand the time we spend with one another, and all of the questions around that. So beginning in Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, you will take your seat in the least important place. So the traditional interpretation, understanding of this, Jesus is talking about humility. Like, don't think yourself better than anybody else. And as we spoke about last week, sometimes that's not really our issue. But if we're really thinking, okay, what more is Jesus saying, right? Parables are not one level. They are not easy to go, oh, that's what it's about. I got it. I can go on. Right here, Jesus is questioning them about why they show up for certain things. Why are they showing up? Why do they care? Why will they accept an invitation? Why spend time with certain people? And we may go, well, well, that's easy to answer. I can answer that because I want to. That's why I'll show up. And here Jesus is like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not enough. 
Jesus is pushing them to consider why they show up for other people. And so for ourselves, why do we show up for others? Why do we accept a dinner invitation? Why do we say, yeah, I'll be at your party, or yeah, I, I can help you with? What are the reasons? Is it because we want to, or is it because we need to? My guess is we may move in and out between those things. Sometimes we do the things that we need to do but don't want to do. But he's really hammering, getting them to try to think about if you are only showing up because you get a special spot, is that good enough? Is that right? Is that really the reason to do it? And so as we begin this journey of going, okay, I don't feel like I have enough time, and so I, show, I don't show up for a lot of things, and I really can't show up for those people or those over there. To begin to go, why do I choose to show up, and why do I choose not to show up for others? And how do I use time depending upon what I want to do? So often we use that excuse of time of going, oh, I'm just too busy, I just can't. When in reality, it's much more about a priority. And Jesus is getting into that as he goes into verse, as we get into verse 10 and 11. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. When your host approaches you, he will say, friend, move up here to a better seat. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. So again, that interpretation, that traditional interpretation of, you know, don't think yourself better than everybody else. But here's the other thing. When we're thinking about priorities and we're thinking about the way that we choose to spend our time, that there becomes a point that when we start to get our priorities in good standing, when we kind of are like, wait a minute, I think that this is it. I think this is somehow connected to God. When we begin to get our priorities in such a way that they are connected to showing up for others, that we need to show up for others, not just we want to, that when we do what we need to do, when we make that our priority, other people begin to notice. Other people begin to notice a shift in our lives. We begin to notice a shift in the way, in our relationship with time, in the way that we spend our time, in the way that we understand it. Because for us, it can be so easy, right? It can be, we can get off course with how we spend our time. We, we end up scrolling through social media longer than we expected. Maybe we watched a few too many of the shows that we were binge watching through. And so here, Jesus is really getting them to consider, what are your priorities? Not what do you say your priorities are, but what do your actions say your priorities? Because when we start to figure those out, when we start to get those in alignment, it begins to shift our relationship with time of how we feel pushed and pulled by the outside forces of situations we have no control over when we get our priorities about who do we show up for, why, when, how do we make that determination, and how often are we paying attention to who we need to show up for and not just what we want. So continuing on, 
in verses 12 through 15 because he's going to go a little further. Like he doesn't just stop here. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited him, when you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame and blind and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when they, when the just are resurrected. When one of the inner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. All right, so Jesus now turns to the host, uh, the one throwing the party, of the one that says, you know what, I want to invite people. I want to invite people into my life. I want to make sure I'm making time for. And Jesus says, okay, so you do that. And are you only inviting the people into your life that you want, that you like? How often are we paying attention to the people we need to have in our lives? And so he's challenging the host, this notion. And are you paying attention to people who maybe the rest of society says they don't really matter? Others that get overlooked, others that haven't had a moment of knowing or experiencing love or kindness or generosity or gratitude or grace. Who do we fill our time with? Is it the, if it's only the people that we want to be around, then we may be missing something very important. We may be missing how God actually seems to broaden our horizon, be able to say, wait a minute, there are way more out there that actually feels very different, that makes our time feel valuable in a very different way. Instead of rushing from one thing to the next, of doing only what we want to do, of feeling that and going, wait a minute, who do I need to be in relationship with? Who do I need to have a conversation with? Who do I need to like stop and say, wait a minute, I need to notice other people. It kind of slows time down here. Jesus is trying to get them to slow it down because we all have the same amount of time in the day. We all have it. And yet some seem to manage it better than others. And what is it? This sense of kind of slowing down their time to be where they need to be and not just where they want to be. And so who do we fill our time with? Are we filling our time with people that, you know, we get something out of it? As he said, right? Well, you're going to invite your friends because they're going to turn around and invite you, but who do you need to have in your life that shifts your perspective, that shifts your priorities, that gives you a new understanding of where God is at work in the world? Who do we invite into our lives that help us to experience God or are just around for a good time? And so he's trying to get them to question that. And then one of the guests, like, really hears Jesus. He's like, Oh, I see where you're going with this. And he says, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. A reminder that kingdom just means an encompassing of our, entire, of our entire life and feasting of experiencing God, God's fulfillment, that we are filled up 
with God's presence, when we recognize where we need to show up for others, whose life we need to be in, and not just what we want. This is right here, this is community. Community is all about inviting all people into it, whether we think alike, act alike, look alike. Community is about all, not just a certain segment, a group that makes us comfortable. But here, Jesus is broadening it out and saying, who do we need to be in community with? Who do we need to be filling our lives with? Because those individuals, people who we need to spend time with, that's the moments where maybe we experience a little bit more of God. Like we begin to understand how God encompasses our entire life instead of just a help me when I need it, instead of, well, if I get some time, I'll try to pay attention to, but instead in every aspect, how we fill, who we fill our lives with can shift and change how we experience God. Continuing on in verses 16 through 20, Jesus replied, Right, so Jesus hears the guy. Jesus replied, a certain man hosted a large dinner and invited many people. When it's time for the dinner to begin, he sent his servant to tell the invited guests, come, the dinner is now ready. One by one, they all began to make excuses. The first one told them, I bought a farm and must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five teams of oxen and I'm going to check on them. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So Jesus now expands further. He now pushes them further of going, okay, you're starting to get it. If God encompasses our life and we're trying to figure out why we show up for certain people and why not others and who we need to be showing up for and not just about our wants, and now he goes into excuses. What are the excuses we tend to make? We all, it's a human thing, right? A human thing to make excuses when we don't want to do something. To make excuses about what we can and cannot do, it, it kind of just comes somewhat naturally. And here Jesus is like, okay, Yes, there are real needs in this world. Absolutely. We do have to spend our time on necessities, on making sure that we are surviving, that we have food and shelter, that we are able to do particular things, basic necessities. He said, but he uses the examples of when maybe those basic necessities, when we begin to use them as excuses for why we can't do something else. And so to really think about that, about for ourselves, about when do we cross that line of, okay, I need to focus on basic necessities, and when do we cross the line of going, you know what, I don't have time for you because, and we make the excuse. He even uses that new relationship of saying, yes, all right, that's important. 
Absolutely. You just got married. That's an important relationship. But when do you begin to use it as an excuse to not show up for others, to not be part of community, to not change up your priorities in such a way that says, you know what, I'm still trying to connect to God. I'm still trying to figure out how God is in this moment, of how I am needed with others in this moment. And so for ourselves, what are the excuses, even if they're based upon something kind of legitimate, at what point are we using excuses to not show up, to not be a part of, to not fill our lives with other people, of doing only what we want and not what we need to do. Finishing up in verses 21 through 24, when he returned, the servant reported these excuses to his master. The master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go quickly to the city streets, the busy ones and the side streets and bring the poor, crippled, blind and lame. The servant said, Master, your instructions have been followed and there is still room. The master said to the servant, go to the highways and back alleys and urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will taste my dinner. So the master has invited people. Excuses have been made. And he changed, the master, he changes course. Right? Parable. Many, many layers. There are many aspects to this story. And to think about that, of when we are impacted by the excuses of others, or we've experienced that sense of, okay, I don't have time for, or somebody else doesn't have time for us. How does it begin to shift who we invite who we fill our lives with, how we spend our time with others. And so here the master says, you know what? Invite everybody in. We're going to make this one big old community when we don't think we have enough time for anyone, but very specific people say, wait a minute, I think I need to pay attention over here. I think I... I may be needed over here. I think I may need to invite others in. And so here, the master is expanding his perspective. He's expanding his priorities. He's expanding how he understands community of what he and who he has time for. And he makes this statement at the end, right? Not just about who he fills so that my house will be filled, who I'm filling my life with. But then he goes on, I tell you not one of those who were invited will taste my dinner. So that since that all those who made excuses no longer get to be part of, or that maybe a better way to say it is that they're going to miss out. They're going to miss out on this community, this relationship, this possibility for connection, this moment of experiencing God in community. And to think about that for ourselves, that when we make excuses, what are we missing out? Who are we missing out? What are we missing out in this life that, you know, that could be a game changer in how we experience God. That could be a game changer in how we understand how we can help and be present with others. That when we make excuses, that when we say, you know, I I just don't have time for that. I'm going, wait a minute. Am I missing out on something 
that I need to be present for, that provides an opportunity to experience God. And so for ourselves, as we're thinking about who do, what do I fill my time with? Who do I fill my time with, right? Am I feeling that pressure of time because I fill it more with work than relationships? Is it because we maybe struggle with filling it with just mindless scrolling or binge watching shows and not enough conversations? Are we kind of filling our lives with the things that only we want to do and not what we need to do? Are we filling our lives with those that, okay, this is easy instead of being present for those we need to be present for? Who are we filling our lives with that maybe make us feel like our time, we are never going to have enough time. And who are we filling our lives with that make our time just expand and get so much bigger because God is part of it? Because God is part of the equation. Because we get to experience God. Now our time feels like it was worth something. It wasn't wasted. It wasn't just not enough. Instead, when we experience God, we begin to expand how we understand our days and the ways that we spend our seconds, minutes, and hours. We begin to look for possibility where God is guiding and leading us of how we get to experience God in very simple ways, maybe around a meal, and in bigger ways, in a great big old community who says, you know what, it's okay that we don't all look alike, believe, you know, we, we try to figure out how to be with one another, how to show up for each other. We're here to encourage one another. We're all about that love. Because Jesus was all about expanding who we thought about, who we showed love to. Matthew 22 was all about, like, you're going to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, a neighbor means everybody. And in Matthew 5, he talks about, you know what? You need to love your enemy and pray for those who harass you. We have to be thinking about... What are the excuses we make who we don't have enough time for, but who we need to fill our lives with? Because when we're living that love, when we're in it and expanding our horizons, all of a sudden, that time maybe feels not quite so pressurized. Not so much like not enough. Instead, it's like, no, I showed up. I was present with others, and God was there. So how will we be challenged by the words of Jesus this day and who we fill our time with in the excuses that maybe we make and the ways that we struggle and the questions we need to ask ourselves so that all of us might experience God every single day? How will you experience God this week when you feel like you don't have enough time? Amen.